ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. This is episode 19. Um, Yeah, it's been a uh, great week so far. I'm Andre. I'm Chris. And uh, I don't know why I always say it like that. I don't know, man, but I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to everybody that's come back to listen to um, our, our our podcast. I know that we just got episode 16 out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm only still three episodes behind uh, when yeah. this one is done. But, uh, you know, I would just like to take a moment to say thank you to everybody that has stuck with me throughout this whole process um you know it's i never thought i'd be here with uh three episodes to edit every <laughs> single week um but you know i'm just gonna keep living this dream uh every day i can so well yeah we're all glad to hear that <laughs> you sound it <laughs> yeah yeah, this week's been a um, it's it's been it's only Wednesday, but it's been kind of crappy so far. I mean, um, I mean, yeah, we, I don't even like for me and you, I I kind of I stopped looking at the week in terms of like Sunday through Saturday or Monday through Sunday. It's really like podcast to podcast. Um, okay, <laughs> that's that's the way I kind of view things at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, since we last talked, uh, it's been. Uh, it's been interesting, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like it's been really, we had a really tough week here at home last week. Just, um, you know, I think the stay at home order and sheltering at home for my six and a half year old has finally started to get to her. Um, yeah. I think she's starting to just kind of bust at the seams a little <laughs> bit <laughs> and, um, you know, I think let's be honest, right? I think we've all had enough of this. It's, it's not easy. Right. Um, I'm not, I don't want this to come across as one of those, like, you know, privileged people that's like, Oh my God, it's so hard. No, I recognize that there are much more difficult things to go through. Um, but you know, this absolutely brings its own challenges. And, um, I had, certainly wasn't necessarily responding the best way um, right. to some of her issues and recognizing what it was for what it was. And so um, that made things a little bit more challenging, but we're, it's a new week and we've kind of reset things and it seems like we're heading in a better direction. So fingers crossed that <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's interesting. My, my wife and I were talking uh, the other night and I was kind of like, you know what? Like all the people I see on the news that are freaking out about this, unfortunately, it's going to come across weird, but it is what it is. They're white. Well, yeah. Like, you know, freaking about out about a pandemic is some white people shit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's like the you know the hoarding toilet paper. And, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like I see a lot of chloroquine. People, people that live in like the, <laughs> I know, right? People that like I mean, it's just like for me. Yeah, it's just, it's down times, basically, you know, yeah. um, growing up, I've seen down times before and it's like, I don't know, you just suck it up and move through it and there's not, not much you can do about it. Yeah. Uh, I still, I still get restless like everybody else. Um, but 
I'm not like spazzing just yet, you know? Um, yeah. You know, and I, I think I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm in the same boat, you know, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not going completely stir crazy. Um, or anything like that i think you know like i'm i'm certainly a, my stress level has definitely been a little higher yeah you know i think just on average um but trying to find the time to you know relax and try to de-stress a little bit as as much as i can um you know, that's sunday of, for me a lot of finger painting um <laughs> you know just uh playing with my cheerios you know, whatever. Yeah, your Legos and stuff. Yeah, yeah you know. Uh, definitely not editing podcasts. Get the Hot Wheels out and uh, <laughs> just roll them across the floor, see how far I can get them to go. That's right. You do have Hot Wheels. Oh, I got so many Hot Wheels. <laughs> You're such a child. Like Sunday, I, well, Sunday, I, I don't typically do anything. I just play Madden for most of the day. And um, yeah, that kind of keeps me sane. I reset. And actually, in the evening, like if I've. I think I've limited my, or I've maxed out my brain. I'll just go play a game of Madden or two to kind of relax. Video games. I don't find that game to typically be relaxing. Uh, probably because I've never really been all that good at it. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> I mean, I, I I shouldn't say that. There were there were times when I, you know. Uh, namely in college, when I dedicated a lot of my life not to going to school, but rather to <laughs> figuring out, you know, how to pepper the field perfectly with Donovan McNabb. And <laughs> I think it was the 2005 edition, right? Or 2004, maybe, um, <clears throat> for the Nintendo GameCube, which is still arguably the greatest, maybe not greatest, but like the best designed controller. There was just something about that. That, uh, anyways, um. I didn't have the GameCube. I had the N sixty four. Like my last Nintendo purchase was after the N sixty four. The GameCube was supposed to come out. Uh, I don't know at some Christmas, yeah. and they delayed it. And so I bought a PlayStation. It was my very first PlayStation. I was always diehard Nintendo, and they let me down, and I went PlayStation. Well, that's an understandable mistake to make. Well, now I have an Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> now the PlayStation was uh, the PlayStation Two. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty dope. I liked it. I mean, uh, you know, they they were both. PlayStation is a great system. You know, they and I think they always have been. Um, I liked. I was always I was a big Nintendo guy growing up. Um, I think a lot of people were. Yeah, I mean, it was the first one that was really, I think, you know, easy or or, or at least super popular, you know, for homes. Yeah. At least you knew somebody who had one, right? If you yeah. didn't have one yourself. But you uh, watched all the Sega Genesis people. Yeah, so that's the Sega Genesis people. I, I knew the Sega Genesis people. Um, well, me too. I never I had one, but I played I, it enough. I bought um, a Dreamcast one time just for, a, uh, they had a special edition of, I think Killer Instinct or or no, it wasn't Killer Instinct. That was a Nintendo. Only. It was uh, I want to say Street Fighter. Mm -hmm. It was so dope. So the Dream, <laughs> the Dreamcast was an interesting machine. Uh, my roommate in college and uh, at the house that I still live in now, um, 
had one and he brought it to the dorm freshman year and so we were playing and i remember was it we were playing crazy taxi and tony hawk pro skater were the two things that we played like all the time on that and it was so much fun but that controller was so stupid like that controller made no sense at all yeah it was not the best controller but i only bought it for one game so um yeah that makes sense that's when i was falling out life yeah so um it's been a uh, the the news this week has been kind of tough um yeah and you know i i get from <laughs> i guess from firsthand experience um this country's got race you know race relation issues um and just in this past week you know, there's a gentleman that was killed in minneapolis uh, a guy that was uh, had the police falsely called on him in Central Park. Um, you know, it, it's just a lot of stuff, and I, I think just for me, like I, I wanted, I want to acknowledge that, you know, because we do talk about real things, but you know, since you know we're recording this, there's sometimes that even I, I have to pause and, and process stuff because I don't really know how to how to feel about it. And this is one of those times where it's like, yeah, like I need some time to kind of, you know, just kind of process and, and figure out what the next steps are in my brain and, and how to, how to respond to it. Yeah. You know, I think, um, I feel pretty much the exact same way. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those where I saw what had happened um, you know, as it kind of broke on social media, I guess yesterday, and then, yeah, you know, was reading more about it not twenty minutes before we jumped on here, um, because Google News had <laughs> recommended, <laughs> you know, some stuff to me about it, and it is just one of those things where it's like, you know, I I'm I'm not in a position yet where I feel like I you know, am ready to, or even really like want to talk about this. Like it's. Yeah. So, I mean, to the people that listen to this podcast, I mean, we will, you know, we do talk about like everything because it's part of life, but um, yeah, it's just really, it's like hit after hit. <laughs> it's like, you know, it just um, gets to be too much, you know, like it's, and I think it, you know, like a lot of people are kind of asking the question, like, wh- when is it going to be enough? When is it finally going to be enough that that something is done? And I'll um, tell you this: what, I was talking to one of my sons, and he was telling me that his, um, you know, he had a conversation with some of his family, and his reaction to the the Aubrey case, it's like, kind of, you know, I, this is how I know he's my son, definitely. But he was like. Yeah, it's not the first thing. <laughs> you guys are like social media reacting. Yeah. But this is every day. It's not like this isn't the first that we're hearing of somebody wrongfully being killed that is black or not white. So, I mean, well, and if you think that the times that it's in the news are the only times that it happens, I mean, look, look cool. at look at the Arbery case, right? Like that happened yeah. months ago and 
like I hadn't heard anything about it until everything blew up two weeks ago. Yeah. And so, I mean, just for our sanity, yeah, there are some, there are some tough issues. I I may write about it on our our website. Um, And we we may very well talk about it next week or in a couple of weeks once things, you know, become a little clearer and we've had some time to sit down and educate ourselves and really process kind of what's been happening. You know, the, I think that's one of the things that hopefully our audience appreciates about us is we we don't try to just talk you know off the off the cuff, cuff about stuff that we're not uh, at least somewhat familiar with, right? Or that right. we don't feel like we have some basis of knowledge about, and um, so yeah, we just want it. Well, it was we, one of those things we talked about before we started was like, hey, let's it's probably something people are going to be looking for, so let's make sure we just address it (laughs) it's not going to really happen this time guys what do you think about uh google news um i've been enjoying it you know like it's uh (laughs) so i'm i think i'm becoming a bit of a google fanboy (laughs) <laughs> good <laughs> um well it is and it isn't i guess like um i say that because i so i got the google uh nest wi-fi for my house i have had google fiber for two years now year and a half two years i've loved it honestly the only gripe that i had was the wi-fi coverage from you know the the box that you get is right. not great um, granted, I live in a 1972 split-level house that's brick and wood, um, and my office where I'm recording this is on one end, and basically the modem and router is on the other. <laughs> and you know, I had the whole reason initially that I was running all of that wire, uh, did my cabling project to get that down here, was actually twofold. Really, I did it one so that I could have hard wire for all of my stuff down here, but also because I was planning to get the two router pack from Amazon for the Google Nest Wi-Fi. Um, I was a little hesitant and nervous at first because I'd read some of the reviews and they were talking about how difficult and what a pain in the butt and how they had to spend all this time on support with Google. And then finally, right. you know, they told me how I had to do this, and so. I was like, well, if they tell me what I need to do in the review, then it shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> and so I finally ordered it. It arrived on Sunday, I think, um, Saturday or Sunday. And so um, I opened it up. It's nice. I mean, I'll tell you, Google has taken a page from Apple in terms of their packaging. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, everything fits perfectly. It's all very well-constructed packaging. Right. Um, You know, like, things are basically the insert is created so that there's a mirror image of a piece that is able to come out on one side, but that is stuck in on the other just so that it looks symmetrical. Wow. (laughs) It doesn't doesn't serve a purpose other than it looks cool. And so, like... To, you know, they took the time to, to notice all those little details. The device itself is, you know, fairly large. It's probably about four inches in diameter. Um, but it was super easy to get it set up. It was basically just plug and play. Um, I've got a number of Google Minis, Home Minis in the house uh, already. And so we had a Google Home set up. So once you plug it in and plug it into the box, the network, um, you know, it immediately picks up 
on the Google Home app and is like, hey, do you want to set up this new device? And it goes through and does the setup for you. Um, and then I plugged in the other one. It did the same thing, picked it up right away. Um, you know, asked me, did I want to set it up in like access point mode as, a, right. as opposed to router? So I said yes. Um, and then within five, 10 minutes, that one was up and running too. Um, the main reason I went with the two router setup is because they don't have the uh, the wireless access points where you can hardwire them in yet. The, the router you can obviously hardwire in. Um, right. the wireless access points don't have any Ethernet ports on them in or out, whereas the wireless access points have one of each. And so I was like, ultimately, I just wanted to make sure that I had good coverage and I know that right. a wired signal with two, you know, router points, basically one on each end of the house is going to broadcast a really nice mesh network throughout the entire structure. I did a speed test on my laptop right before I switched everything over and I was getting on average between like, I mean, probably right around 40 megabytes per second upload wow. and like, nine to 10 megabytes per second download or vice versa. Um, you know, and once I got done, um, I ran it again and I got three thirty three down and two seventy eight up and Over Wi-Fi? yeah, that's pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, the other thing that's really nice is, you know, because we've got a ton of devices that are on wireless here in the house and between everybody's, you know, tablets and phones and all the Google minis and everything, I was constantly having to turn off Wi-Fi on my phone in order to get anything to load because it just right. wouldn't, wouldn't connect. It would connect to the router, but it wouldn't connect to the Internet. And I have not had one issue like I have been connected to it day in, day out. I would go from one end of the house to the other. I don't lose a connection. It doesn't drop out. Like it's been super solid. That's dope. You know, the one of my frustrations with iOS is their inability to um, switch networks. Um, it's like, it'll get stuck. And if there is a inkling of a signal, it'll hang on there as opposed to switch to uh, the right band. Yep. Um, yeah. So I can really, I might actually, when it's time to upgrade, I'll probably do something similar to that because I have, I have a somewhat similar setup. I'm using um, air, an old Airport Extreme, or not old. Well, it is old, but I didn't have a use for it because of my. I changed my setup. Mm -hmm. Well, let, let me back up. I think my router was probably pretty good. It was just that Spectrum Internet sucked. <laughs> <So> <laughs> because yeah. now that I think about it, I'm like, yeah, that thing is still doing a pretty decent job. But anyway. Um, so I I have a wired port in my basement and that's hooked up there as just another network. Um, and I had to change the network names because why did I do that? Oh, because we have a lot of iOS devices that don't switch the band properly if it's all the same network. Mm -hmm. My Android device will do it without a problem. My Linux computers will do it without a problem. It's kind of like, yeah, I can figure that out. But for some reason, the iPads and iPhones don't do that very well. So yeah. in an effort to, you know, keep it family friendly, I had to just kind of do that. But yeah, I might, if I ever get the need to change it overall, I'll probably do that. 
but to go back to your original question, you were asking about Google News before I went off on yeah. my Google fanboy rant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been I like the app um, so far. Um, the one thing that you know, like the one complaint I have is as an iOS uh, mobile, you know, owner um, or device owner, the share function is not the same as it is for you fancy Android <laughs> users. Um, so like Andre shared, you know, an article with me and I get a notification from the Google news app and it's in this list of like articles that have been shared with you. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. Well, I want to send him an article and see it show up here too. So like we can have this list of articles that we share and I keep hitting the share button and it's just like, well, pick which one of your contacts you want to send a text message to. And I'm like, no dummy, I want to send it in the app. And I keep like looking through it. And I'm like, well, maybe I have to add the Google news app as an app that I look. And I'm like, that would be dumb. And that's not an option. So no, um, I'm looking through everything. And so we keep like sending screenshots back and forth to each other. And he's like, oh, poor iOS. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Like, and I know that there's, you know, some level of like, well, we don't want to fully support this because I mean, Apple has their own news thing where they get advertising for everything and they can track how many stories you watch. And because they, because you gave them access to every little tiny bit of information about you on your phone, uh, they're tracking yeah. all of it. I, I think for me, like my uh, use of social media has been like, I only use it like a text messaging app. If I'm being honest, like, Hey, 20, 30, 40 people. Yeah. Here's blah. Right. News. Google news does it. It gets all those stories a lot quicker than Twitter. If I'm being honest. Well, and um, I think, you know, again, you're, and I don't have to read the comments. Oh, yeah. I did it again yesterday or the day before where I, and it was like, I didn't even go on Twitter. I was on reading an article, uh, maybe even on Google news. And, um, I got stuck in, but it had a tweet embedded in it from the president and I clicked it and I don't remember why. I think I even clicked it accidentally, but then there, for some reason I was like, I ended up wanting to go back and look at it. And then I started scrolling and I started scrolling mostly because it's just kind of like, well, I want to see, does anybody actually agree with this crazy person? And then you see, yeah, at least according to Twitter, and then I know most of them are bots and, well, if it makes you feel better, like he, he's, uh, I do believe that president Trump saved Twitter. I, I think uh, president Obama brought Twitter into the limelight. Yeah. I think president Trump has created a second win for Twitter because yeah. single-handedly, um, I mean, it's literally the only place he, well, I shouldn't say the only place it's, it's basically the only place he goes crazy in text. He goes crazy verbally everywhere else, but <laughs> yeah, I think I think somebody just whoever showed him how to use Twitter, gosh, bad play. Yeah, um, but right now he's kind of pissed at Twitter because they're marking his uh, incorrect statements as well, as right? And so, action. of course, what happens when you tell a petulant child that? you know, what they said may or may not be true. Um, they threatened to take all their toys and go home. And of course, that's what the president of the United States should be doing right now is. And I, you know, I think like, 
I understand the role that social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook play in communication these days, right? I think you looked I I was telling you earlier before we started recording that like I watched the the Great Hack movie, um which I know you you said you had seen. Yeah. Um I watched that the other night and it was pretty disgusting, you know, overall to watch what happened and realize just how many people played a played a role in allowing that to happen you know like right. saw knew exactly what was going on and didn't necessarily i mean ultimately they just didn't care you know like they didn't care what the outcome was they didn't care who it was that they were, you know, using this information to benefit. It was all just about like, well, they're paying me. And so ultimately like, that's what I'm going to do. Like the, the woman who's kind of highlighted in that thing at one point, you know, was talking about how 2008, you know, really hurt her family and, you know, they lost their family house and all this stuff in 2014, six years later, it took six I, I years for 2008 to, Hurt her I family. I don't feel sorry for here. Here's two things. One, I don't feel sorry for. Her. No. Secondly, you know, I don't know when people thought the internet was free. <laughs> I just, right. okay. I don't know who gave anybody that impression, especially the president of the United States. Um, the, 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 the disconnect that people have with what is monetized is your data. Like, wake up. <laughs> like, yeah. Everything you put onto these social media networks is now another element to be monetized. Every time you go to a website, if they're not showing you advertisements, they're you know they're tracking your behaviors. They literally you actually, tell you that every time you log on now, right? Yeah. I mean, why do people think these things well, are at least unless as long as you're a reputable reputable site? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's just, it just blows my mind. I I don't understand um, like. I don't really need social media like that. Um, and I don't really care. If, I don't care for it. It's like, no. And I think you're absolutely right. Like ultimately it's, it gets built up as this, like, you know, it, it it's almost like the banking industry, you know, 15 years ago where it's like, well, where would we be without banks? And it's like, <laughs> well, the safe industry would be booming. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> 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 people would be installing vaults in their house faster than, than ever before like but you know i think the social media platforms at this point are propped up as this you know well where would humanity be without them right and and they claim that their mission is to bring people closer together to connect millions of people and that's simply not true you know right. maybe that was a goal originally but I don't think it was ever. I don't think, I think it was either. You know, like I'm, yeah. I'm with you. Like that was all just. I mean, we've all seen the social network, right? Like we know what Mark well, Zuckerberg well, was think, really yeah. after. There. <laughs> I mean, um, some booty. I, 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 I think the only thing that's kind of. Um, so when I look at forums and and their resurgence in in the in the tech sphere, that is bringing people together, right? I look at Reddit and how they've figured out a way to take that whole forum atmosphere and bring somewhat of a social, like, uh, thread to it. That's bringing people together. 
The other ones, not so much. I, I just hard pass on that. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that the president wants, I mean, he's got a hard on for Twitter now. He's like, he actually, I'm paraphrasing. He's like, as the president of the United States, I'm not going to allow this. I'm like, dude, you understand that's a private company. Well, uh, but that's his favorite go-to, right? It's it's like it's he feels the need to constantly remind everybody that he's president because he recognizes just how unpresidential he is. Yeah. That's a very good point. He's so insecure in his own presidency that he feels the need to constantly remind all of us, "Hey guys, remember I'm still the president. Like, yeah, no asshole. We know. Uh, we're, we're November can't get here soon enough. <laughs> yeah. It's time for politics. Well, speaking of somebody that does have a look of sense, I watched Vice President Joe Biden do an interview yesterday. And I tell you what, man, night and day difference. Well, and so I didn't, I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to watch it when we're done here because um, I'm curious. Um, who conducted the interview? Just out of curiosity. Uh, uh, can't, let me, I can look it up. Somebody at CNN, um, Joe Biden. Is it Don Lemon? No. <laughs> Chris Cuomo? <laughs> no. Again, uh, Dana Bash. Um, okay. And my wife again is still a homosexual. She's yeah. all about. I mean, she is. Gosh, I will say, I, I get it, man. I, I know. I mean, he's like he's a good looking dude. I'm just saying, like, I watched this clip on YouTube the other day where he was, you know, playing some clips of Trump, President Trump, and then you know, asking Sanjay Gupta to Doctor Sanjay Gupta to give his you know take on it, and right. I think Gupta is a. a, a good tv personality like i think you know he's a he's a decent guy um but i just like at the end cuomo i mean i don't think he could have had his you know what any further down his throat than (laughs) if he'd have tried was i mean just heaping the you know praise and platitudes on gupta and it was just like Dude, I get it, but you realize like he also works at your network. Like this isn't really necessary. <laughs> well, I think he's also no. I, I I know. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. But he's a very gracious guy. Right? He is, he, and I and I get that. But it felt I don't know. It seemed one, really one over thing, the top. No, one thing I really enjoy about uh, about Cuomo is the fact that I mean, when you look at the Cuomo family in New York. That's like the Kennedys, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like, but he's very, I mean, they're, he more so than his brother is a very gracious guy. And like, it comes across kind of like disingenuous sometimes, but he really does like balance the fact that I don't need you people. And I really appreciate what people are doing. Like the whole, like we watched him while he was in quarantine. Yeah. And, I, I guess what I'm saying is like if somebody's being fake, you can see it when they're sick sure. or you can see it when they're uncomfortable, but he, he was genuinely... the same way when he was sick. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it good. Really I mean, fun. that's good to know. And I, you know, I, I didn't look at it and go, well, now I'm done with, you know, Cuomo. Uh, I'm never listening yeah, to him again, but it was, just, are, I, I, it was just thought it was kind of funny. And I was like, it just, I was like, yeah, all right, well, she would, she would defend him. Oh, like, I know. Uh, don't let her listen to that. I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> 
I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> She's in love with the Cuomo's right now. I'm like, gosh, man. They're really um, TV for me. <laughs> so, I but, mean, was there anything in particular that stood out to you in the interview? I I think that... Sorry, I, I know go back to the Joe Biden interview no, for no, those no, of I, you that are I, just tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> I know we went off on this Cuomo path. Yeah. Uh, I, I think for me, what stood out is the fact that although it's tempting to uh, get down the mud with the president, he doesn't where people try to say that he gaffs his way into like uh, irrelevancy. Mm-hmm. I think they're, they're dishonest. I mean, the questions that, that I've seen, even from the last debate that he did with uh, Senator Sanders, even to up until like, like recent interviews, he's always like, he's asked questions that if you're not careful, you're going to say what you're really thinking. Right. And, if you listen to the inflection in his voice, he's trying to guard his words. And I think that's what a lot of people miss, you know? But I guess one question I have is like, is that good? Yeah, it is. Like right now it is because yeah, the last, I mean, I know, I guess that's true. The, the yeah, last the, thing we need is another yeah. <laughs> person with no filter. I mean, like he's really like, um, I'll, I'll give you an example. When I, like I had a, a mentor give me some advice on interviewing, right? And one thing I struggled with was thinking about like how to answer something without coming across as uh, uh, what's the word like a like a dick. <laughs> so it's, uh, that's two or, words. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so his advice to me was, well, sometimes like when you think about your initial response, pause, right? Well, it happened to be like I had an interview and some of the feedback I was given was Andre sure did pause a lot. (laughs) 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 I mean, I really had to dance with my words, but that was very helpful advice. Now, as I've gotten older, I've learned how to probably, you know, pause without pausing like visually. So I can respect the fact that, uh, that he takes the time to choose his words carefully. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you even think about President Obama, you know, like he had a very distinct speaking pattern that literally involved pauses, <laughs> right? Like lots and lots of pauses. Yeah. Oh, I, and I think there was a reason for that, you know, like, I mean, and he would, he would sit there and say something, finish his thought, and very carefully, like you could almost see him saying the next line or two in his head to make sure that where he was going, like everything was going to line up, that he wasn't going to say something that wasn't, you know, meant to be said. And I think you're absolutely right. Like as much as you'd love to have, as much as you love kind of like, I guess that honesty on reality television, right? it really doesn't play out that well for you in the long run when you have that as the leader of our country. And you know, I think um, I can't remember if we talked about this on a past episode, but it's like, you know, the people I think a lot of people that like a lot of the closet Trump supporters <laughs> voted for him because they thought he would be like the Trump they saw in The Apprentice. But instead, like he's the Trump that was hosting all of the beauty pageants, you know, like yeah. <laughs> or yeah. whatever, you know. 
yeah, and I, I, I just the dude went golfing last week. Yeah, and he like railed over President Obama for golfing, and that, and it's like, yeah, I don't want to get swept up in that. That's a pretty valid point. Yeah, like dude is like Mister Double Standard all the way. Yeah, um, and it's November is coming. I don't think that. Um, I don't think closet Trump voters from 2016 are going to be in the same, like, uh, the same mindset because it's, it's well far gone of whatever they thought they were getting that could hopefully shake up some of the, you know, the old Washington behaviors, blah, blah, blah. We're like, that's, that's a fantasy that never, you know, came to fruition. I do think that we have, you know, there, there's a call for, it's not civility, but a call for like being rational. Like if, you know, we talked about the governors across states that are doing a fantastic job of showing leadership right now. And, you know, our president thinks that, you know, I, I'm sure you saw the news that he's trying to bully uh, Governor Cooper into yeah. like giving him a firm date on, on the RNC. Yeah. When are you going to open? I don't care about facts. I just want a date. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, first of all, my dude, it's May, um, and you're talking about August, and we're still, like, we're still barreling over 100,000 deaths, or close to 100,000 deaths, if not already, in um, the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, and the fact that, you know, you and I have talked about this from the get-go, that all of these numbers that we're seeing are weeks behind. Yeah. You know, like that's not what's currently happening. And so <laughs> it's like, I don't know. The It's like, you know, you have so many states where it's like governors saw two days in a row where the numbers were the same and they went, oh, good enough. We've reached the plateau. Open the floodgates. And it's yeah. like, okie dokie. Well, we'll see what happens. You know, and people, and then people want to point to numbers that are happening now after things have opened up. And I get, you know, in some cases it's like, yeah, we've had the most cases ever in certain dates. It's like, yeah, that means two weeks ago those people got infected. Yeah. Not today, not yesterday, you know, which means those people have now for the last two weeks been out getting other people sick. So just wait. You know, like, just wait and see what all of this ultimately ends up doing. And, you know, you got guys like Rand Paul. Who's a douchebag. That want to sit there and, I'm a dentist, so I'm practically a doctor. Like no, He's an eye doctor. Oh, is he an eye doctor? Okay. He is. Whatever. He's an eye <laughs> <laughs> No offense to all the dentists and eye doctors that we have out there. <laughs> <laughs> listening to our podcast but i mean seriously like i i wouldn't go to my general practitioner and say you know hey what do you think about the pandemic and then take his word over the head of the cdc you know oh. like <laughs> i'm just Who's saying that? like even and those guys are both doctors like you know like, <laughs> like body doctors not just like you know these two little globes that sit inside the body. Well, well, it's at least it, at least it's better that he's not a podiatrist, right? Uh, so, I mean, I guess yeah, he's probably got a foot fetish, anyways. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
at least he's not a urologist. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, he certainly missed his calling as a proctologist. Yeah, definitely. I definitely don't. No, we're already at one hundred one thousand deaths so far in the United States. So um, that's a thousand times the number of Dalmatians in that movie. <laughs> yes, Chris, you're right. <laughs> Wow. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> and probably um, last. No one else will ever say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. I'm just trying to bring some levity to the situation. Now, yeah, the you're most right. true. least appropriate time. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in North Carolina's got 737 deaths as of May 27th, or 26th, reported the 27th. And, you know, cases in our in our state are are, are increasing because we still have a lot of silliness going on. And right now, Charlotte has got a couple, looks like on this map, a couple hotspots. So for anybody to, you know, for the president to think that he can just manhandle our governor, who I think is doing a great job, um, and, and it's not about politics, just, just to be clear. And this is the last time I'll say this. If I agree with a politician, it's typically about policy, not so much pol- you know politics. I am the least concerned about politics. Yeah. Um, it's like that's, what I tell my kid, actions speak louder than words, right? Yeah. It's not about yeah. what you say as much as it is what you do. And yeah. even with President Trump, you know, like I think that that goes 10 times as much because that guy says a whole bunch and at the same time does just as many terrible things. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, I I don't think that um, Governor Cooper is going to, you know, buckle under the pressure of President Trump. Um, And, you know, and and kudos to Governor Cooper. He certainly doesn't seem to be uh, shirking from the challenge of uh, one lieutenant governor, Dan Forrest. Yeah, that guy. (laughs) He's special. Run, Forrest, run. And I just (laughs) want to be like, you do realize that Forrest Gump was... um, An idiot, right? Not all there, let's say. (laughs) I, uh, I, I... I don't. Well, fortunately, uh, I just want to be clear. I love Tom Hanks. Right? He's he's a national treasure. Isn't he America's dad? Yeah, yeah. That's that's no. He's America's daddy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess he took the spot from Bill Cosby. (laughs) But you know, I think that Dan Forrest is. I mean, like right now, people. A lot of people have forgotten about the fact that our governor is up for re-election this year and he's done a great job even with uh <laughs> even our, despite despite our republican the leadership best efforts yeah of the republican legislature which i mean from the moment like even even during the election right because it was a very close race between him and mccrory and yep. they tried to do everything that they could to keep him from getting elected and they wanted recount after recount after recount after all the previous ones had said, yep, he's 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 still the winner, guys. Like, um, And so they immediately went and said, all right, well, let's see what we can do to then just basically make this, uh, you know, a, a no, you know, no clause position where there's there's no teeth to what he can do at all. 
Um, we're going to remove, you know, the, <laughs> the number of appointees to a certain panel so that he can't, you know, tip the scale in any favor one way or the other. And I mean that, you know, ultimately like, I just, I, I'm with you. Like, I think he, he has done an amazing job, especially given the circumstances, yeah, you know, like his, um, his fight to get teachers more money. Yeah. Now it was kind of a weak fight. But I and I haven't really dug a lot into this, but I know that he stepped on a lot of toes. Um, and it was just like, eh, he tried, you know, yep. maybe, you know, maybe like the skeptic in me was like, maybe he knew he wouldn't be able to get a lot out of this, but he he's going to try. Um, yeah, I'm sure there was some some of that, you know, I mean, because I think right in any real political position, like you do have to choose pick your battles. You know, yeah. what I mean? like we look at we talked about AOC, um, you know, and I think that's one of those things where you just like you have to pick and choose your battles because you can't fight them all. Yeah. Ultimately, like if you try that, you're not going to accomplish anything. And yeah. so, you know, you look and you say, look, I I can't I can't tell everybody, hey, I'm not going to do anything about this. Right. So I will try and see what I can do, knowing full well when I go up against the you know Republican legislature that. I'm not going to be able to override there that, that ultimately they're going to override my veto or right. whatever it is that ends up happening here. I'm not going to be able to get what I want, but I'm going to try anyways. What I, what I do kind of like, and I didn't look too much into this. Like I wasn't a big fan of all the concessions they were trying to offer Amazon to come to North Carolina. Um, yeah. And I don't know how much of a hand he played in that, but I thought that was, you know, well, and that was Raleigh specific too, wasn't it? Uh, felt, no, was it? No. no. So apparently the state, the state was part, was part of that. Gotcha. Um, and I'm just not a big fan of giving all these incentives for companies to come to your state. No, really especially when you look at North Carolina where there's enough incentive already. I mean, we have one of yeah. the lowest costs of living in the country. Right. Um, and one of the highest qualities of life you know, on average. So it's like, you you know, especially in Raleigh, you're a three hour drive from both the mountains and the beach. Yeah. And most of the, most of the major metros and suburbs have been on, you know, national list of top places to live. Yeah. So, and we know, have one of the better education, like, um, not like upper higher education, education. Yeah. Higher yeah. education systems in the country as well. Yeah. Our, our primary and secondary is like 44th and yeah, it's not great. third, can you know yeah i'm not sure which order but they're pretty crappy uh but that's statewide that's not per county yeah. um thanks, so i wasn't thanks joko uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but anyway you know I, I think that you know dan Forrest, it's kind of like mccory like i i believe uh yeah i did vote i did vote for him but I should have, and I did not do a good job of researching how he did in Charlotte. And if I would have, I would have probably not have voted for him. Um, and that's that's on me. But the prior governor was trying to like, I, I'm not sure if that was the legislator, let, let us uh, legislative branch or the governor that was trying to close down a lot of state departments that actually do a good job. Was and was it Bev Perdue was the one before McCrory? Yes. That's, yeah. that's who it was. Yeah. And, I, and she really was not great. I couldn't know? stand her. I was like, why are you trying to close down these profitable, like, 
like for the state budget profitable, they're actually not running with a deficit. Why are you trying to shut them down? And I just wasn't a fan of her. And I think she was running for re-election. So that's probably why I voted for Corey. But at the same time, I probably wouldn't have voted for him either if I would have done a little bit more research. Um, Yeah. But that's, you know, that's under the bridge. But I I do believe that Governor Cooper, even with his hands somewhat tied, has done a good job. And he's up double digits right now. So I'm sure he'll, he'll definitely hold that. He was even up before the pandemic. So. I think, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting, obviously, to see what happens here over the next, what, six months, five months um, as the run up to November. But I think what we might end up seeing is a lot of Republicans getting the boot because because of what's been happening at the federal level. and the fact that there haven't been more outspoken people. You know, I think that's money. something where there's absolutely no reason that the heads of the Republican Party shouldn't have gotten together and said, President Donald Trump is, Trump is not going to be our candidate for 2020. We cannot, in good conscience, allow that to happen. And whether, you know, whatever it is, like, the, well, the, <laughs> or at the, least like, you know, not just because what it is, is they just get, well, he's the president. So we don't have any choice. We have to, we have to have him as our nominee. And the press, the precedent that they're setting is very damning to that, that party. Um, it really and, is. and what's happened is that people, and I kind of agree with it. I think that president Trump has killed the Republican party. It's now the party of Trump. Um, and what's funny is that the people that are, you know, the when people pull away from this president, he goes hard on Twitter, like nothing, nothing of substance, but he goes hard on Twitter and that shapes the narrative. Yep. Twitter is not real. Right. (laughs) And you can't even verify the things (laughs) that happen on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it'll be that. Well, you know, President Trump, you know, tweeted this and it got fifty, you know, five hundred six thousand likes. And it's like, yeah, but half of those are freaking bots. Like, yeah. What's funny? I, I, oh, I wish I, I should have shared, it and I'll probably look for it again. But a majority of Twitter's content that gets, um, I guess, a lot of likes and comments and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a surprising number. It's like it was like seventy percent is generated by bots. We we had um at least one bot retweet one of our posts about a podcast uh because it had like the hashtag technology in it, I think. And it even says in the description like, you know, this is a Twitter bot that reposts or retweets content posted with, you know, these hashtags, follow us for these stories essentially. And so it's just like a it's a hashtag aggregator is all it is. Wow. And yeah, like that's the majority of content on Twitter is hashtag and tweet aggregators. But 70 percent, that's a that's an alarming number. That's ridiculous. I mean, that's that's like I. Uh, <laughs> And you may That's not like even claiming be... to have a user base of over one million. 
when you know for a fact that you haven't had more than half a million unique visitors. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But is that as bad as like advertising that number? I mean, it you depends on it how day. you feel about the word fraud. <laughs> I had an I had an employee tell me one time, and I, cause I didn't want to tell her that she was lying. But I think I kind of did. I was like, "Well, no," I said, "I don't believe what you're saying." And she said to me, "Well, it's true to me." <laughs> like, almost, I mean, if that isn't the encapsulation of today's culture, <laughs> there is no universal truth. There is only my truth, and you can't change that because that infringes on my First Amendment right to free stupidity. Wow, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But, hey, you know, people want to be on the bandwagon, so, you know, be that as it may. Yeah, may. you know, it's, um, I think we're, it's, it, look, I think the next five months are going to be very interesting. It's going to, I'm very curious to see what happens in November. Um. My biggest hope is just for change, you know, like let's push for something else. Let's not let's not accept this as the best that we can do or that this is our permanent reality from here on out. Um, and I think as you've stated several times, like let's have a very long memory about this and hold the people responsible for what's happened, you know, I don't, I don't want to say accountable because you always say you can't hold somebody accountable. They can only hold themselves accountable. But hold the people that did all this crap responsible for it ultimately is what I yeah. guess I was trying to say. Yeah, I I, I get – I don't know. I, I know that, you know, not even being naive, I, I was pretty hopeful of how 2020 was going to be. Because... <laughs> it's, uh, so, yeah, um, was it Danny – texted me so apparently she started listening to our podcast recently um and she uh, was laughing uh at something that you had said where it was like i'm excited to see what 2020 brings uh or something or has in store or something like that in the very first podcast episode that we did and she was like ah past andre was so hopeful <laughs> and i was like oh my god you have to tell me when that was because i need to grab that sound clip like i'm gonna put together a you know worst takes or you know uh you know cold takes that didn't age well or something like that you know they have all those tweet bots on twitter that we can <laughs> yeah i i was uh but i i think um Here's why I still kind of am though, because I I understand what struggle is, you know, and it's your ability to, uh, like, you know, stay true to your course regardless of what happens around you. And I don't know if our country really believes that about itself. And you know, I've mentioned before nine eleven. You name any national like moment of crisis, we 
apparently we have an eight week tolerance of <laughs> bad things happening, you know, being able to do something different because, you know, eight weeks into stay at home orders, people were, were rebelling. Um, so maybe that's our tolerance level. But my question for those people is how bad is your home life? That I know, right? I mean, maybe they don't. Because like I said, like things haven't been great here, you know, like we've had our struggles like I know everybody has. But at no point was I like, I'd rather go kill my grandma <laughs> than have to stay at home and not go shopping at Walmart. Like I know, and right? Walmart's open. Like, what do you what is your problem, people? Where else do you go shopping for it's your amazing. guns and your camouflage? Like, I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's I'm just joking there. I, I know, know you're you're borderline saying deplorable people right there. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to do that. No, um, I don't want to do that. It's it's just a different expectation of of your day to day, right? Like I've I've watched some of the clips of people that say, "Oh, I'm you know glad I got my freedom back," or "I didn't wake up in North Korea today." I'm like, really, real really? That's how you and define. I, I mean, but that's you know. Anything that you don't like is instantly communism. But you have to watch the people they interview because they specifically go after a certain archetype, right? Sure. So you have the, oh, absolutely. You know, and it's like, yeah, but I don't want to label all the you know southern people that may wear a camouflage hat of being that person. Sure, but what ultimately, right? Like, what's gonna get? What's gonna be a viral video, right? No, totally in, in totally interview, and I know you know. Like I'm, I'm not yeah. arguing with you, but it's like that's why this happens, right? That's why we're in the situation, and because you have news agencies, local news agencies, who right. And listen, I love the effort of true journalists in local news, right? Like there are lots of people in local news that do amazing things, and I'm right. not painting all of them with this brush when I say this, but. There are enough out there who, and may, maybe it's not even the journalist, but it's more the, the station managers, the executive producers, those people who ultimately go, we're going to can this story over here and go find, you know, the biggest redneck that you can in the Walmart parking lot and ask him what he thinks about this going on, right? Like shove a mic and a camera in his face and figure out, you know, get some crazy clip so that we can post it and then we're going to get posted on YouTube and we're going to get a million likes and a million hits and I'm going to go be on CNN from now on, you know, or whatever then. Yeah, and then you have like the poor kid that, uh, you know, the the reporter asked him, why aren't you wearing a mask? And his response, well, the president uh, no, he's he actually said he's not wearing a mask, and the reporter clarified. You mean the president? Yeah, the president's not wearing a mask. I'm not wearing a mask. So it's like, okay, you're you're playing to that narrative that actually does kind of validate the the, the bias of mainstream media. Yeah, and both sides do it. Yeah, um, and I've watched. I've literally watched the since the the decrease in the daily press briefings. I've watched the narrative shift daily on the news for the next story it just blows my mind i'm like yep there's bias on both sides um absolutely and i think you know just like anything right i don't i don't sit here and blindly support you know all liberal slash democratic you know politicians right right? i am right 
I, I I am technically registered as a Democrat, but that's primarily so I can participate in one of the primaries. <laughs> the one that yeah. I feel like I'm most likely to. I mean, that's right now. That's primarily where my politics have lied. I'm I'm still conflicted with that on a regular basis because there's a lot of things that I don't agree with when it comes to the the platforms and the policies of the Democratic Party. But you know, ultimately, it's like I. I just I can't I can't sit here and pretend like when I'm watching news stories that I'm unable to identify and process bias. You know, like I can gain knowledge and value from something even when it's presented in a biased way if I can see through and acknowledge that bias. Not always. Right. Yeah. Okay. There are, trust me, there are those extremes like, you know, Breitbart and that stuff that there's no value in that, right? Those are lies (laughs) is what those are. Let's be honest. You know, talk about hashtag fake news. Um, But it's important to understand that when you're watching CNN and you're watching Don Lemon or, you know, Anderson Cooper or whoever it may be, that those individuals are biased, right? They are people inherently. And the people who run CNN are biased because they are people. And yes, like there's an angle to the story that they are probably kind of leaning towards, if nothing so else. So here's right? the here's a really weird argument. Okay, and this is something I you know I've been kind of not struggling with, but I really noticed. Like I don't I don't rock with MSNBC. Mm-hmm. Like I never have. I used actually when they first launched back in the day, I did because Which, they were actually. I find it funny because. I know that you don't like MSNBC, but I also know that your favorite channel is CNBC. <laughs> yeah. What's <laughs> ironic is that, yo, the more you watch, even when I watch CNBC, I can see the political bias come out in the rhetoric. Mm-hmm. But I can separate that because I understand the balance sheet, right? So I can skip all the 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 pomp and circumstance around whatever somebody's saying. But what what i what i kind of what what blows my mind is that these talking heads on both sides and i can say cnn and uh fox they bypass the journalists mm-hmm. right the, the talking heads get more coverage and they get more uh airtime than the actual journalists right because when you look at all the fox people that have left that are actually journalists their reason was it's because they are being put in the back seat to the talking heads. Right. And ultimately and, the story that they did isn't what gets told. Right. And when you look at the talking heads on CNBC, they're not as cold as the <laughs> as the ones on Fox or they can they can pretty it up a little bit. Yeah. But the journalists like Caitlin uh Collins, I think her name is, um uh, the uh, what is it Joe Scarborough, the guy that does that, the Morning Joe show? That's that's yeah. I think he's I think he's an MSNBC. There's another guy that was attending the. Uh, I can't. I think his last name was Alvarez. I want to say or. Yeah, can't remember. But he's actually a journalist. You could hear like how they reported the news was completely different from all the talking heads, and if you can't, if you don't remember that, you think that everything they're saying is news and they're they're really not reporting the news that just bothers me well and i think you know again right i think we talked about this on the last episode where it's you know when vanity became such an uh, such an important part of politics right right and the same thing has happened ultimately with newscasting is it's not about 
you know, are you a good journalist, right? Do you find right. the real story? Do you search for the truth? Do you have sources that can get you information that other people can't? No, now it's, are you a good TV personality? Do you have a nice right. smile? Do you have pretty eyes? Do you have white hair that everybody's going to talk about all the time? Like, I mean, <laughs> Anderson Silver, the Silver Fox, or Anderson Cooper, the Silver Fox, like, I mean, that's all you ever hear about, right? It's not about yeah. whether or not he's a good journalist or he does good stories. It's, oh, well, he's kind of handsome and maybe he's gay. <laughs> that's true. Like, I mean, and ultimately, also, like... He's also a Kennedy. Yeah. But it's like, who cares, right? Like, why does any of that stuff ultimately matter, right? It it, uh, sh- it, it shouldn't, but it, it's where we are. And yeah. I think people they they lose they they miss sight of the fact that it's not really news. They're not really reporting the news. They're There's no more substance less, behind yeah. it ultimately, you know. And it, and that's where again, and and I think especially, I find this. To be, I, I guess I have historically found this to be more prevalent in American mainstream media than, you know, other like global kind of or, or European right. news stations. But the replacement of, of journalism with opinion, you know, like essentially everybody is just giving an op ed as opposed to reporting what actually happened. And it's it's not about, you know, it's. It's almost journalism. It's it's op-ed disguised as journalism, right? In a sense, right? Where it's like this: this is my opinion on what's happened, and I'm only going to provide the facts that ultimately support my case. And and it's clear when you watch that stuff because it's the way that they clip that they cut clips, right? They don't linger for an extra half a second after the person stops talking because that's immediately when they start to refute the fact that they just, you know, that you're getting ready to make, <laughs> you <Right>. know? And, <laughs> and I mean, we were talking about it before, like NBC did this with Chuck Todd where they cut a clip of, you know, somebody talking. And then it was like, dude, he literally said like the exact opposite, like defended himself from the point that you are making 10 fractions of a second after you cut that clip and, and i'm not a big fan of chuck todd no i mean like, me neither and <laughs> and i'm not a big fan of those the people that use those types of tactics like right. ultimately don't but that's that's the other problem is we've gotten into the world of snippets you know like everything is just this this 10 second clip our our attention span has gotten so short that we're not willing to do the research or to read a freaking newspaper article you know we get if we happen to pick up a newspaper, most likely we get to the end where it says, you know, see page three C for, you know, the rest. And we go, oh, that's too much work. What's a C three? Oh, uh, here, C three. Why didn't my keyboard bring that up? Like, <laughs> I've been, uh, I've been uh, binge watching this show uh, uh, on, on YouTube, uh, CBC uh, Mar- marketplace. Mm-hmm. And, What's interesting is that our, our our neighbors in Canada, gosh, I want actually I don't want to move to Canada. They actually did a, a an episode about racism in Canada. Yo, neck and neck with the states. But anyway, but the way they report on things, I don't even see anything on on national broadcasting news networks like mm-hmm. NBC, CBS, et cetera. Even not even sixty minutes or well, Dateline's now the murder show. Yeah that actually expose things and calls people to question about the things they're exposing. But do the, you know who does more of that than anybody in the United States? John Oliver. I, not what? 
Yeah. <laughs> I know. But that's like it used to be John Stewart and The Daily Show. Yeah, you're right. Like that was the way that we essentially in this country were able to call out that crap because it was so horrific right. and so over the top. And now we don't have that. I mean, like I love Trevor Noah, but I'm not seeing that. You know, that's like true. I mean, we don't see that type the type of coverage that Bush got, President Bush got for eight years. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's and, true. You know, and like so, like the closest thing is John Oliver on HBO, where he does Last Week Tonight, and even that, like his whole thing is done typically where they take months to build stories. You know, around like the you know the payday loan and student loans, like scams and stuff like that. Like they take months to do their research and actually put together a real story, and then do it. But like they can't; they're not reactive like like the Daily right. Show was. You know, and I think. To some degree, like uh, Patriot Act, then if if that's the if yeah, I mean, so that means we have little to no outlets of actual investigative reporting. Well, and, and I wonder if part of that is because we've seen, like, you know, I mean, it used to be you had cable, right? Like, you either had broadcast or cable, and if you right. had cable, you had Comedy Central. It was part of the the package, right? And so. Right. At a certain time of day, if you were watching TV and watching Comedy Central, you were watching The Daily Show or The Colbert Report. And now with streaming services, you can watch whatever you want, whenever you want. And maybe I don't have Netflix. Maybe I've only got Hulu and, you know, Amazon Prime or whatever it is. Or like me, I've got all of them. And I just I like part of me is that I don't I can't bring myself to watch that stuff because it's like life is so depressing. Oh, it's depressing, but like, here's, here's the, you know, I've said this many times, you know, my people will, you know, struggle for lack of knowledge. Like, unfortunately, even the, we have ostrich. Yeah. You you can't put your, you know, bury your head in the sand and pretend like everything's going to be okay because, because you don't see it or you can say you don't know about it. And then when it stinks up on you and kicks you in the butt, you're wondering why, but you know, with moderation, because I try to like, that's why I like Google news. I can kind of streamline the things I'm interested in or I need to be in the know about so I can be informed so I can hopefully make a decision or at least have a more educated opinion. Well, that, uh, or One of the things or, I did this past weekend was I spent a bunch of time going through and adjusting the notification settings for mm-hmm. like Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, basically all of the places where I kept getting bombarded with stuff that like ultimately i didn't like it was just noise things that weren't even was like you know so and so is attending an event near you and i'm like you mean in greensboro north carolina (laughs) an hour and a half away from me in six months great so i mean like and you know went through and was just like no i don't want i don't want youtube sending me notifications about videos it thinks i'm gonna watch because ultimately what it ends up doing is sending me a whole bunch of cnn videos about trump <laughs> and so I was like, I don't want that. Like, if I want to watch that stuff, I'll go find it. I don't need notifications that there's a new one for me to watch because I know every day there'll be a new one for me to watch. Like, let's talk about technology. Well, I'm surprised you didn't spend any time editing those episodes. <laughs> well, when I say sometime, yeah, that's fair. No, so, that's not true. I did epi- edit one episode. All right. Well, help me out. I want to like what you do is pretty interesting. Like I, I don't know how to do it, so <laughs> I joke about it. 
But you're you're tempting me, man. You're tempting me to where I know I'm gonna I'm gonna mess around and get Andre involved in audio um, production, and then he's gonna start his own podcast called <laughs> "I Used to Have a Podcast Cast with Chris, but he got too lazy to edit." <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that serious, bro. But <laughs> no, it's um, I'd be happy to to share. I guess you know the little bit of knowledge that I have. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, on the, the typical episode that we record for those of you that don't know, you know, Andre and I do this, I, I, we've mentioned before remotely. Um, so we do a Google hangout call, uh, shout out to Google, our new overlords. Um, <laughs> we love you guys. Seriously. Thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> you want to hear something stupid? What? Not to cut you off, but no. I'm going to cut you off. Go ahead. So we're watching a show and, uh, one of the actors on the TV said something like, Alexa, blah, blah, blah. And, and your then my, your... my my tablet woke up. Yep. And I was like, gosh, that's so annoying. But anyway, go ahead. Oh, well, just a quick side story to, to piggyback on that. The number of times that I've been telling, like explaining something to Helena in terms of how to interact with the Google mini homes or home minis. And I'll be like, so if you say something like, okay, Google, blah, blah, blah. And she'll be like, I'm sorry, I can't find blah, blah, blah in my <laughs> commands. Please try again. And I'll be like, oh, caught me again, Google. Um, but yeah, so we have a Google Hangout. Um, I use Audacity, which is a open source free, aka free, uh, audio recording and production tool. Um, that is pretty, like, I, I don't even want to say bare bones. Bare bones is, it's not pretty. Uh, it is not a, a doesn't have a, a glorious user interface. It is I what sent, it is. I sent you a link to make it prettier. I did see that. I haven't, I haven't employed it yet. Uh, but okay. it's, it's on my list of things to do along with editing all the other episodes. Um, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so what I do is I've got a, a Behringer, what is this? This is a Behringer Euphoria UMC. 204 HD. Basically, it's a little um, two-input mixer that has a USB connector that hooks up to my my Mac. And so when we record, what I do is I have my mic here. Andre's got his recording mic. Um, I record directly into the mixer my audio, and then I have the audio out from the computer, which is capturing Andre's audio and putting that back into the mixer. All of that then feeds via the USB into Audacity, where I have that selected as my source. Um, we record the whole podcast as one long conversation. Um, as like we usually, the way that this typically happens, to give you a glimpse into like pre-show, if you want to call it that, um, we send each other news stories and texts and stuff throughout the week. Um, we have a Google area where we kind of like share that stuff as well. Um, and then before we actually like start, you know, do the intro and start the full recorded conversation, we chat a little bit about the topics that we want to talk about. And here are the last couple of episodes we've tried to like actually kind of plan out like, okay, it'll flow better if we do this, which ultimately makes my life a little bit easier. <laughs> <In the end. laughs> it means less editing and less rearranging of things, which is, uh, is a lot better. So um, once we finish recording, what I'll do is wait, you know, three to six weeks and then finally open up <laughs> Audacity again. No. Uh, so, Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, we usually record about an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes. We've gone as long as like two hours and change before. Um, but once the episode's complete, I'll save it. Um, when I'm ready to start doing the audio uh, production and, and start editing the episode, 
Um, everything gets recorded as a basically my voice is on the left side of the stereo audio track and Andre's voice gets recorded on the right side. So you have two inputs, they both go into the same track, but they're recorded uh, separately on the left and right. Audacity allows you to split those to create two mono tracks. So stereo, obviously, left and right. Mono is just one. Um, you split those so that you can then edit and do the production on them separately because otherwise everything you do to one, this half typically gets done to the other. Um, so typically what I'll do at that point is I'll, I, I record all this and save it as a raw file and do all of the initial audio, audio production in that. And then I have a template file save that has all of like our intros and topics uh, changes and stuff like that in there um, so that then I can just copy and paste basically the edited and produ produced track into there and then go through and start figuring, okay, you know, we talk about this, okay, here's where we're going to change topics and then I'll bring the topic change that I need over and put that in place and then do the rest of the stuff that I need to do. Um, the audio production process is what typically, well, it's probably about 50-50 in terms of what takes me the longest. Um, initially, what I have to do is kind of go through and just do any cleanup, right? So um, I'll start typically with yours because yours usually requires less than mine. Um, so don't I, always, don't I always tell you eat your vegetables first? Yes, that is true. Um, but I also like to put my friends ahead of myself, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you notice I didn't do that when I came up with the name of the podcast. I was just yeah. like, ah, this is one time when I get to go first. Uh, <laughs> Andre and Chris just didn't have the same ring as Chris and Andre. Like it just flows, yeah, you're right. it you're, rolls you're off the, the tongue better. Me. What can I say? Ask me if I care. I don't, <laughs> you care. don't. I know you don't. Um, so what I'll basically do is the first thing I'll do with Andre's is I boost his because when he, for whatever reason, when we record his through the Google Hangout and doing all the little loopy thing through the mixer, it always comes in on significantly quieter than mine. I've done a lot of efforts and research to try and figure out how to boost it. I think it may be something with the mixer, a number of different things it could be. Ultimately, this is not the, the ideal scenario for doing this. This is not bad at all for doing remote. And I would guess most people, if you were listening to this before we told you that we did this all remotely, wouldn't have necessarily been able to tell because I'm just that good at what I do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, um, I'm amateur at best. But um, so what I'll usually do, the first thing I do is I boost yours. Then because of that boost and because yours ultimately gets recorded at a lower volume, there's a lot of high-end hiss that comes in. Audacity is nice enough to provide this little tool called noise reduction. So I find somewhere usually in the middle of the podcast, um, a couple seconds, you know, two to five seconds of silence on your track. Uh, usually when I'm going on one of my long winded rants and I will <laughs> select that you go, you know, select noise reduction. Um, you can use that to basically build your noise profile. So you're telling audacity, this is the sound that I want to filter out from all the rest of the audio I'm getting ready to select. So you do that, you go back, select the whole track that you want to clean up, go back in, and then you can preview the first like five seconds of the selection um, to get a sense of how it's going to sound once you run this filter on it. Um, they also, you can basically run the invert where you can hear just what's going to get filtered out. And essentially what you're trying to do is find the right balance between the three settings of I'm removing the high-end hiss without disrupting the audio 
that I need, right? Like, so Andre talking at the same time. And so it's trying to strike that balance. And then the software itself does a really good job of then blending kind of the different frequencies to fill in the gap when it removes that stuff so that it doesn't have that noise, but it's not like there's just this weird, you know, part of the register that's completely absent. Um, So once that's done, then I'll do some EQ cleanup. Um, so usually, because Andre's voice is a little deeper than mine, I'm, I'll do a low voice roll-off filter where it'll drop the couple um, like lowest EQs uh, and then slowly kind of ramp back up into the mid-range and flat well, across the highs. I, I, could, I would never have the patience to even <laughs> learn how to do this. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, Most of it's not that hard because it's all done in filters and they have presets and stuff like that. Oh, and what it boils down to is just taking the time to play with it, right? Like trying the different filters and then listening to what it sounds like and then saying, no, that's not what I want, undo, let's run the next one. So it's a lot of trial and error um, for the most part. There, I know that there are other softwares that you, know, are, that you can pay thousands of dollars for that do a lot of that stuff to a much better extent, or at least like probably do it more automatically um, right. you know, in terms of fine-tuning the, the end result than Audacity does. But I've honestly, the more research that I've done, the more and more impressed I've been with the level of detail and the power that actually resides within this tool for, for something that's open source and free. Like it's pretty ridiculous. Um, Don't knock an open source tool. I'm not, no, I'm sorry. You're right. That's not a nice thing to say. I've also really been enjoying Inkscape. Um, Yeah. That's, that's been, that's another, that's for those of you that don't know, uh, Inkscape is basically like your, your kind of open source, uh, AI, like Adobe illustrator tool. Um, I got, I used to hate Illustrator before I knew what it was for and how to use it. And then once (laughs) I figured that out, I was like, this is one of the coolest tools ever. And then my company took my license away because they said I didn't need it anymore as a director. And I'm like, you know, well, direct this. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so Andre, uh, wow. Excuse me, we're going <clears> to <throat> trim that because that sounded awful. <laughs> so Andre introduced me to this program called Inkscape. And it took us a minute to get it installed um, because I never have my environment set up correctly. Um, but once <laughs> we did and everything was working, um, it's awesome. Uh, I've, I've been really enjoying it. So I, you're right. I should not knock open source between Audacity and Inkscape and all the other you know dozens and dozens of open source tools that I've used in the past. Um, yeah. I should I should have more respect for them. You're absolutely yeah. Right. They power the internet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So then I guess what we were doing the graphic EQ on yours. The last thing I do is a final boost. Sometimes I have to run the noise filter twice or the noise reduction uh, twice because it just doesn't like it doesn't get it the first time and you do it again right. and you do it you reduce it a little bit more and adjust the filters. But um, do a final boost to get everything to a certain point that then once I finish doing mine, I'm going to match it so that we're both our, our max volumes essentially both end up in the same place. Um, I think because I record mine directly for whatever reason, I end up with a slightly more dynamic range of volume. So I end up with higher peaks and lower valleys essentially. Um, right. I recently discovered uh, I'll call myself out on this. Not as great of an audio production person as I thought I was because I didn't fully understand what the 
compressor feature was for having played music for a long time and you know that kind of thing i knew what the word compress and compressor uh but never really fully understood what it meant um so that's my own fault but uh i used to sit here on the podcast and i would spend a bunch of time going through and manually reducing the peak volumes in my track and at one point i even said man it'd be really nice if there was a soft piece of software in this program that would just point out where like the peaks are right because i keep wanting to amplify the track and get everything to sound good but it's not doing anything because i have these stupid peaks and then i'm like i'll take this half is it in here yeah i literally did this with with an episode recently so compressor will actually do all of that for me uh you can set a threshold you can it's got a whole bunch of features and and adjustment settings and stuff like that to pinpoint exactly what you want i was testing it on an episode that i'm working on now right before we started recording this and it's probably going to save me a good like 30 to 45 minutes per episode um so i'm really excited about that breakthrough in my own stupidity um or ignorance i guess is a better word <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you something like when i go on stack overflow and um you know or like if i'm using a new piece of software or even software i'm familiar with yeah there's a lot of times where people ask a question i used to really kind of uh get turned off by the uh rtfm no the rtfm guys oh yeah and um it's read the blinking manual guys right and one day I was like, yo, those guys, they, they seem to be on a, well, consistent about that. And then I started reading more and more technical manuals. Then I started noticing over the years that sites are making better and better documentation for their software. Then I realized, yo, if you just read the freaking manual, yep. you're probably going to find the answer to your question. I mean, and that's where all of my help has come from, um, yeah. has, has basically been from the Audacity Wiki. You know, like their documentation pages are pretty darn good at spelling out what each of the features do. Um, Right. You know, occasionally I think they could they could provide a better description of like how to use the feature. You know, like I think some of it is still very technical. And yeah, it was so technical that to for I mean, even somebody like myself that's been doing this for a while because I don't know some very specific technical terms. I don't, I like it completely. I'm like, I don't know what this is talking about. Right. But in that case, there's almost always an article or a thread somewhere where someone has said the same thing. Like, Hey, I'm trying to figure out what this is. And the documentation isn't helping me. Can someone please explain this to me? Like I'm a three-year-old. Yeah. And then I'm like, Oh, (laughs) so it turns out I'm three years old. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's dope. I mean, I, I, like I said, that's, uh, my interest in technology, um, actually, I'm not very interested in sound, so I probably will never do that. So I'm going <laughs> to depend and need you to like keep. You know. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> it gives me some job security for a little while. <laughs> At least until SoundCloud starts offering uh, video production or uh, audio production as a service. No, no, no. It's just like hey, I'm A-Pass. not interested. <laughs> huh? APAS, audio production as a service. Uh, they have those, but no, um, I'm not, it sounds really dope, but I'm not interested in doing that. Um, uh, I'm realizing now that I missed out on all these opportunities to be like product, the production as a service team, the past yeah. team, <laughs> I know. or just, just the, as a service team, the ass team. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, I, I'm I'm not sorry you missed out on those opportunities. I know you're not, but I am. I mean, um, that's no, that's really like, like in my brain, I I do the I weigh the interest of something, and then I can easily say, yeah, no. I think <laughs> I feel like I've you. told my story of, um, how I got into audio production, but it was really, I mean, like my music background was what ultimately did it because me and my buddy john who had started the band together with our friends Corey and aj um like he was really into audio recording he knew video you know production and stuff like that um and so he's the one who really kind of explained the the little kind of introductory stuff to me and then you know helped me to to develop a better understanding of you know and then once we got into an actual recording studio and i saw like how they do it and was like, wow, our garage setup was like trying to mimic this, you know, as best Let's we go. can. <laughs> of course, that was back in the day where, you know, your garage setup was a Tascam four track, you know, recording on a uh, cassette tape. Right. Um, the number of times we had to run to Radio Shack to go buy more cassette tapes or <laughs> adapters Actually, or whatever. I, I think it's dope. You know, uh, Christian is really obviously into music and just like he'll make a track or something or some dope beat. I'm like, that's interesting. Like I want an instrument. <laughs> like, yeah. um, like some things for me, it's like, that's really, you know, I respect some people are, um, able to learn a skill uh, and they're, they can excel at it. And I think that I respect that. Yeah. Um, uh, many years ago, I read this book that really talked about specialized knowledge where it's like, if you're not good at it or you don't want to do it, don't do it. <laughs> like don't force find, yourself like, to do that. You know? yeah, find somebody else to do that. That's so. um th- I think that's something I've been trying to take to heart when it comes to house projects lately. You yeah. know, where it's like if it's not something that I feel like I am pretty darn adept at and have the skills to tackle, maybe I should just hire a professional. <laughs> See, that's sure. where I came in with the uh the antenna. I'm like, I don't know, man, drilling into brick, you know, 30 feet up in the air. That seems like that's a little outside of my skill range. <laughs> I told you I paid a guy to do it because it would be. Yeah, because you don't like, like ladders. No, yeah. The ladder I'd have to buy was like the same price as having somebody install it. I was yeah. like, yeah, it's totally well, doesn't make what sense. Can I say? I would use it one time <laughs> for, you know, one use. Yeah. And sell it on eBay for something. That's, I mean, I, I think it's dope. Um, I just hope you, like, hopefully you can find some more time-saving <laughs> tips to... Yeah, we'll with. see. Um, I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't want to spend too much time researching because then I'm not editing. Just You know I'm following the bouncing ball, dude. Like, that doesn't make it better. Yeah, I know. Like... <laughs> like now you should probably do some research if it's going to save you some time. So speaking of uh, both of us holding up our ends of the bargain, uh, how's the website coming? <laughs> <laughs> the website's up, dude. Oh, great. Well, then, you know. <laughs> yeah, the website's I'll up. I'll set up there. So, again, chrisandandreshow.com. Um, one thing I did, like I, I took away from that is like um, – and I've, I've said this before. I like WordPress. Like more than a third, actually, I think the last thing I read was 37% of the internet runs on a WordPress site. And I think that's awesome. I also think that, you know, I, I don't know very many, very many mechanics that take their car to Jiffy Lube to get the oil change. So 
that's <laughs> that's what WordPress is like for me. It's like, nah, I'm good. Um, I'll, I I just I'm not a designer. I can find inspiration on the internet and probably put something together and then you know you know leverage my relationships with Chris. But like, yeah, it's up there, but it's not as pretty as it could be. Um, but the the mechanics behind the website, I'm not going to use WordPress for because I just think that it's the equivalent of going to Jiffy Lube. Yeah. Um, and it's painful. Um, like a plugin to compress images, a plugin to build a site map. I mean, those are, those are. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are basic functions, right? Yeah. Like any, any CMS should provide that without having to add a specific plugin. Um, yeah. And the WordPress ecosystem is kind of, it's baller, man. Like you, you, you pretty much lease a plugin. Yeah. Every, it's like first it's year. subscription based, right? Yeah, it's like $50. And then it's like, if you want continuous updates, it's $50 a year. I'm like, for one plugin, I'm probably going to, it's going to be one functionality. So I'm going to pay $50 a year for a piece of functionality. That is stupid. Um, I just think it's funny that we've gotten to the point where everybody and their mom is trying to mimic what magazines did for years (laughs) with the subscription model. (laughs) You know, it's one of these things where it's like, yeah, of course, like regular recurring revenue is it's not even that it's necessarily better for the company from a financial health standpoint. What it's better for is from an investors and a financial strength standpoint. It looks better when you have money that's constantly rolling in as opposed to like, oh, this quarter we don't have our sales as high because all of our sales come in the second quarter or the third quarter of the year. Well, you know, because you know what happens in the company then they say, how do we spread these sales out? Right. (laughs) Or how do we fill the gaps in these other yeah. areas with more sales? You should be reaching out to these customers now. And what do you do? You reach out to those customers and the customers say, hey, Andre, you know, I'm really glad to hear from you, but you know my buying cycle. I won't be back for another six months before I buy something else. Well, I've got right. this really great deal. Well, that's great, but I'm really not interested. And I swear to God, if you email me one more time, I'm never doing business with you again. <laughs> and then your boss says, why aren't you emailing your top customer? Because they told me if I email them one more time, they're never going to do business with me again. I, I, I think that the, uh, you know, I have a product that's SaaS and, you know, I, I wrestled with, do I make a desktop app or do I make a, um, a, um, a SaaS product? And the reality is like a SaaS product for, I would say 90% of most software makes sense. Right. Um, and like, you know, like I'm a recent convert to, more I'm a big fan of Google Docs now, where before I was like, hey, I, I'd rather have a version of Office. But the reality is I have multiple computers. I have multiple, you know, so it doesn't really make sense. Um, most people well, are like what that. Office did, right? Yeah. They moved <laughs> Office 365. <laughs> they yeah, were like, crap, Google beat us to it. And I mean, the only real thing that I think Microsoft has is that ultimately, right, I think for people like you and I that grew up with Microsoft applications, like... We know that there's certain powers and functionality that does exist right. and reside that is better within a desktop application than it is in the SaaS version. But for 99 or 95% of the working population, like what Google Docs does is more than enough. Yeah. And I, I so I, I, and you're right. I, it's the model that magazines have used for 
years, if not centuries. Right? Except they <laughs> like, switched it and said, instead of you having to renew your subscription after 12 months, we're just going to assume you want to renew it because you told us that that was okay. By the way, you didn't really have a choice when you signed up. <laughs> it wasn't like we said, well, if you just want it for one year, we'll give it to you for one year. And then we promise we won't charge you more until you tell us to. I, I, yeah, I think uh, subscriptions work. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'll be honest. Like there is, there's a, uh, the personal finance software you use, uh, you need a budget. Why Um I was kind of pissed when they went to a subscription base, but as a developer, it makes sense. You're only updating one code base. So it makes a hundred percent like it, it makes for, it's a better use case. I don't, I mean, you know, and I think you and I, Fortunate, fortunately, we didn't have any direct experience with this, but you know, through other people that we worked with, um, right. heard horror stories about you know SaaS products that weren't kept up to date on right. on-premise installations, which is essentially the same thing, right? Or or where you're installing it, letting somebody run it behind a firewall where you don't have access to the software. And then you're trying to maintain and build customizations on top of 15 different versions of your own software. I, I I can't imagine what that would be like. Um, like, yeah, I never had the. Actually, it's not true. I did have to deal with that one time where there was a um, a customer with a unique problem in their their setup of this you know, of said software, but. Unfortunately, they were probably they were probably six or seven releases behind the the upstream or the uh, upstream translation current version, mm-hmm. and it's not a good look. So you, I, I think you have to make that determination and have a cutoff date of like when do you really stop supporting X software and do you launch with multiple versions, uh, whether that be SaaS or, or cloud yeah. or. Uh, uh, desktop version. And I, but, I mean, I, I want to clarify that I don't, I don't dislike the subscription model where it makes sense. You know, like I think yeah, that yeah. there are, especially in software, there's lots of places. I'm just getting frustrated when Subway starts sending me, you know, sign up for your Subway subscription. And I'm like, dude, I don't, <laughs> I don't need subs that much. Like, yeah, I, I know that's stupid. <laughs> that's, that's, the, you know what I do hate? Like I, I do hate, uh, the only company I don't understand their subscription model is Adobe. Oh, like, yeah. Subscribe it, for a year and then pay for the new version out the butt yeah. again. <laughs> there, there, there are some people it's like, mm, hard pass. Um, Plus their, I mean, their cloud suite stuff. I, I don't know. I just, I was not in my limited experience, you know, kind of messing around with the creative cloud stuff. I was not as impressed as I had been with previous desktop installation versions of Adobe. Like I just, there, yeah, there are some things where you actually need to take advantage of the, the hardware. Yeah. Uh, that's why Inkscape is a, you know, I, I doubt they'll ever, well, first of all, even with the Adobe stuff here, basically using software, it's just your license has to renew. Right. So there's some things where you need the hardware to actually make the, program usable right but, unless you want to actually sit there and write the sgv svg code <laughs> cord yeah. that's out by hand. <laughs> yeah. god bless you in doing that uh but you know all in all like you know i i respect where our skills balance each other out uh the and i'm just you're right i'll never do the production uh, that like in my mind that doesn't even sound interesting to me um, and it's what's funny is that because that's 
all of that that I described is just to get it to the point where I copy your track and my track and put it into the template and actually start what I consider to be the real editing process. Yeah, again, none of that sounds interesting to me. Because then what I get to do is, and I actually do, I enjoy this part, as as time-consuming as it is, is I basically get to listen to the whole episode, right? Um, and I'm doing two things. One, I am taking notes, timestamp notes, because now that it's in the template, I know where the beginning is, and I try to do all of my editing all the way through from beginning to end so that I don't have to go back and adjust my timestamps later. But starting with the intros and then what's the first topic we dive into and put the topic intro in place. Then what's the next one, right? And then occasionally we'll say something we don't want to come through and we'll decide that it needs to get edited out. I also found a much easier way to do that recently. Um, Audacity will produce a tone. So I just figured out, I looked up what the tone frequency and everything is supposed to be for, you know, like basically the FCC. (laughs) Oh, okay. And instead of having a separate track, which is what I, because I previously had downloaded, somebody had recorded that essentially or had a recording of it. And then I would sit there and have to figure out, okay, well, I got this much time, so I need to copy this. You can just generate it directly in the track in Audacity. And I know for like people that do audio production or if you're another podcaster out there listening, you're probably sitting here going, this is the dude that edits and produces this podcast and he doesn't know that these are the ways he should be doing these things. And to that, I just want to say, Thank you for listening. Um, I really appreciate it. I'm trying to get better. I promise. Yeah. And I, I'm just a developer. Like there, there's some things where it's like, yeah, I'm just not interested in doing that. Um, and that's okay. But you know, we really, uh, we really do appreciate it. Everybody that listened to our, our, our podcast and, uh, it's really, it's very, very much appreciated. And, um, and Chris, you know this, uh, I appreciate all the hard work you do to make sure that we have the episodes go up. My job is not that. Uh, I actually said that from the very beginning. Like, I'm never, <laughs> I'm never gonna do that. I, don't, I don't know what came into my mind where I thought that would even be funny to say, because my mind already said, no, you're not doing that. Let's, you're not even interested. So, I mean, and when you threatened that the other day, and I know it wasn't really a threat, but. <laughs> you're like, look, man, I mean, like, if I got to start editing some episodes, I'll start editing some episodes. And I was like, Ooh, this is getting serious. Because I remember when he said, I will never do that. Yeah, because I don't want <laughs> And, like, that was an empty threat. It was just an empty statement. Well, like, but I it worked. I mean, because ultimately it, it, I mean, it wasn't just that. Like, I, I had been wanting to to get it together it's just been it i had honestly been a struggle i wasn't making the time when i had the time and when i was trying to make the time it wasn't the time to make i, I need you to get over that brother <laughs> yeah um, <I> know. <laughs> um, look i won't make any promises i know i will change the behavior <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, you start breaking promises that's like that's the definition of a lie. Oh, right? I forgot to include what my favorite part of the whole podcasting process is, which is coming up with the title of an episode. Yeah, I, I actually listen all the way to the end just for the uh, the, the the funny jokes at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So apparently I've disappointed at least a couple of different people uh, by having introduced the Chris's stand-up uh, minute 
at the end of like the third or fourth podcast because I had a hilarious joke in my head that I was like, I'm just going to put this on here. It'll be really funny and stupid. I never intended for it to become a recurring thing until the very next episode when my girlfriend, Christy, was like, yeah, uh, where was the joke at the end? I literally <laughs> listened all the way and then was like, seriously, no joke? What's going on here? And so I felt pretty compelled to add a joke, but since I was three episodes behind and it had yeah. taken me almost an entire day to edit that last episode for whatever reason, I I sat there and I was like, if I have a joke recorded already, I will go ahead and put it in. And then I said, okay, even if I don't have it recorded, but I have one written down in my notes of jokes that I want to do, I'll go ahead and record that real quick because it's not hard to add that in. I didn't even have that, and I was like, I'm not delaying this another night, or Andre is actually going to murder me. Uh, he will break social distancing and come over here and cough in my face. I, I don't know why I say that. It's like you got COVID or something. I know you don't. Uh, well, I don't say that. I don't know if you do or not. <laughs> Stay away from me. No, we just have to, you know, it's like this is, again, our personalities definitely balance <laughs> each other out. It's like, dude, like, just do it. But that, not. Nah, just do it. Like, what's like, please just do it. Okay. Um, Nike. I, I mean, yeah, well, they, I, I would say they still not for me, but, um, just, we just gotta be consistent. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if Andre could just be a little bit more consistent, uh, we'd, you know, we'd all be good. I think is what, that was the message you were trying to get across, right? Exactly not. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> again, true friendship, right? That's um, right. so one day, he uh, he'll get all these times. yeah no. so, i mean so what what i'm hearing is what i hear you saying it, it should take you like three to four hours to edit an episode right? yeah on average because i probably spend about an hour total doing the you know pre kind of production um of the audio so to get break, it cleaned break up it into little parts man yeah and that's that's what i need to do um the the tricky thing is for me a lot of the times is when I do the, start doing the post-production um, stuff. If I don't go and kind of finish doing it on one track all the way through, I'll forget what I've done so far. <laughs> so what I really need to do is just have a notebook or something where I take notes on the side. Uh, there, there's, there's a lot of options there, bro. But yeah, I'll um, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So enough of giving Chris a hard time. I'm, I'm really glad everybody listens to uh, our, our episodes. And apparently there's a lot of work that I don't have to do. I just have to show up. That's apparently. right. <laughs> so uh, I just have to make the website a lot better. Uh, apparently. I mean, I anyway. I not say anything about making it better. I just, I just Yeah, whatever. All right. So you'll love my next, the next foray with that. Uh, I have a couple things planned out, but we'll get to those things a little, you know, sooner down the road. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I'm glad everybody joined us once again for the Chris and Andre show. I'm Andre and I'm Chris and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. What's the opposite of an insult? An in-pepper. <laughs>